Okay, cool, cool. If there's anything you want to tweak, I mean, I do edit. I try not to edit too much because it takes up a lot of time. Yeah. But if you have anything that you're not comfortable with or you want to tweak it a little bit, feel no, free to do so. No, no, no. If anything, my daughter um, is around, so the only edits would be like her yelling. But if you want to because the topic is relevant, you know. You yeah, can. absolutely. And we never edit the kids. We all have kids that we never edit. So okay, that's okay. Good. We so love hearing the kids in the background. For instance, mine are listening to Kids Bop right now, but I bet a bad song come on, they're going to be upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> hello, 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 and welcome to Tea and Talk, our podcast for moms where we discuss hot pepper topics, chat with notables, influencers, and share our everyday lives with you. We're all Brooklyn-born and bred Caribbean-American moms living in the suburbs, giving you a dose on how we navigate life in the hood. Motherhood, sisterhood, childhood, the neighborhood. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. If you do, like, share, and comment. All right. So, everyone, welcome to Tea and Talk. I am thrilled about this fall because this fall we are talking about money. Don't we love these money conversations, ladies? I do. I do. They have been really great. And we've had some like real good conversations about like, not just about like, like little money things, like big money things, like real estate investing, how to manage the finances. And we had our Cal come on and she told us about buying franchises, how she managed her IHOP franchises. And um, I'm really inspired by all these conversations. And because we want to keep them all going because it's such an important topic. We're going to talk about how we manage our kids when it comes to money. So tonight we have Cara Stevens joining us, aka the Frugal Feminista. Hello, Cara. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. I want to take some time out. We're going to ask you a few questions. Um, but before that, I want to take some time out to introduce you to our TN Talk squad. Um, say hello, hello, hello to our Haitian intellect, Sakpase Ruth. Hey, Hi, everybody. <laughs> and our proper Jamaican. What's a guan, Renee? What's a guan, ladies? How are you? Ooh, we're good. We're good. You know, we're just rolling into this Sunday. And to the Trini Socialite, Diane, how are you? Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon. <laughs> good afternoon. So, Kara, thank you so much again for joining us. And tell us, I would like to hear a little bit about your brand. You know, I've known about you for quite a while. And I actually had you on the show a couple of years back when we were doing live shows. Um, tell us about yourself, your brand, and also, most importantly for TN Talk, what island are you from? Okay, so um, Antigua proudly representing um, number one. Um, All right. Yes, I also have family um, in Trinidad and Tobago, Tobago in particular. Trinidad, yes, yes. So I feel an affinity. Okay. Summers between Antigua and Tobago. Um, oh, that's nice. So yeah. Two beautiful countries. Yeah. So um, the Frugal Feminista is a personal finance and personal wellness site dedicated to helping um, black women um, across the country and across the world heal their relationship with money so they can save more, um, so they can spend without guilt and define life on their own terms. And um, I did that because I felt that there was a, a dearth uh, of personal finance people talking to the lives of black women in a way that was at the intersection of race and gender and culture. And so I'm a black woman, but I'm also, I'm a first generation kid, you know, from the Caribbean. I'm also um, an African-American 
because I live here. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be able to talk about the nuances of those cultures as well and how it plays into finances and sometimes how the messages that you get from both can create a lot of ambivalence and a lot of questions and a lot of um, dualities. And I wanted to be able to explore that and help women unpack those identities so they can feel comfortable with whatever decision they make around money. Mm, Very good. So, you know, when we became mothers, well, when we became mothers, it just changed everything. So how did this change for you? Mm, Well, um, when I became a mom, um, I decided to take maternity leave. And it was funny because I worked in a sector that was driven by, that was largely, the women were employees. And I had such a difficulty, I had a lot of pushback of people not wanting me to take time off to raise my child. So I found that to be extremely interesting at like the employment level. And then um, when it came financially, um, I felt that my finances definitely had to take a shift, but I was ready for it because of all the planning that I had done. Um, but I also realized too, that there were certain things I wasn't, I wasn't aware of, and I had a lot of learning to do and I was open to it, but it was definitely a shift in terms of both money and in time. Um, because your time does not become your own and your money, if you don't, and your money is divided now, um, between what you want to do before, maybe as a, as two, um, incomes, no children, but now you have two incomes with children and that can, um, lead to a lot of spending and a lot of, um, a lot of plans around the child's education, recreation, and kind of thinking about how do you want to really invest in your child to make them as much of a global citizen as possible. So it was a lot of thinking. I'm still, you know, my daughter is three and I'm still, you know, learning as I go, but private school, public school, do you know what I mean? Do you yeah. do public school so you can send them to back home to the Caribbean so they know their culture, you know, like what do you really invest in? So it's about, it helped me really begin to understand what my values were. And as a former um, vice principal, knowing the educational system very well, it became even more um, of a question of what exactly did I want her to learn? What kind of person did I want her to be? Yeah. So, were, were you a vice principal for public or private? Private. I mean, public, public. Public. Okay. Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of Caribbean people bring their kids to private schools because we have that mindset coming, bringing, in, bringing it from the Caribbean here that yeah. putting our children in private school is the best thing, although that's not always the case these days. It really depends. I mean, like, and, and that's a big thing. Like, with being, you know, I fully identify as being um, Caribbean. And I don't, I say Antiguan, but also say Caribbean because I grew up in a pan-Caribbean community. Like, Trinidadian, yes. mm-hmm. you know, Grenadians, like, Bayesians, like, you know, people from Belize. Like, they were all part of my um, upbringing. And so, um, yeah, education is a really important part of that of, of our identity and thinking about what that means for, for money and, and thinking about what it means for um, what your child is going to do plays a large role in where your money goes or how you kind of set out your money. Yeah. Wow. And as we're talking about money and finances and all the decisions that we have to make, how do we teach our children? What is it that we teach our children early on about finances? Well, I think that um, you can teach them a lot of things about the role of money. Now, I think like from a Caribbean perspective, um, money, um, especially if you're an immigrant, like money is the is a means of security, is a means of um, being able to secure people back home, you know, like send them money send and keep money um, here so you can 
um, pursue things that you might not be able to pursue back home. And so I think it's important that in understanding some of the reasons why we leave or why we, we migrate, um, we should put them in a context of money for some of us can mean security and survival. But if you're having kids in the American context and they're not having to think about what home means because home to them um, may be the United States, but there's like a, um, and you're trying to also expose them to their, their heritage, the idea of money in an American context is one of consumerism. You know what I mean? Mm. So when you combine those two, you have to make a lot of efforts to ensure that you don't create children who worship money in the sense of they want, they only want to pursue things that give them money, but also you don't want to instill a sense of consume, high consumerism where they want money only to purchase things. But on the flip side, because of our, some of our immigrant experiences, we also worship money in the sense of it's going gonna, it's gonna to be that ticket to security. Yeah. when that may not be always the full truth of the matter because a lot of us leave our families um leave our leave our children in pursuit of financial stability and that financial stability never comes and those relationships are ruined so it's kind of making sure um that we understand like what the purpose of money is at various times in our lives and all that to say is that so in raising our kids and i guess like a, a multicultural home is to help understand that money is is a tool um and that sometimes when we use this tool, it may be to use it to save, use it to spend, use it to give, use it to invest, right? And it's important that we create habits with our kids to talk about money and its various uses. And oftentimes what money um, can be a proxy for. So proxies of security, love, friendship, power, and status all things that come with the use of money. And if we start having conversations early on with our kids about how do I really know that my intention with this money is actually a neutral one or a healthy one, I think we'll have a lot, we have a lot of kids that have a stronger handle on the careers that they choose, the mates that they choose, um, how they define success um, from um, intrinsic and extrinsic factors. Um, and I know that sounds like what the hell does that mean? But when you're dealing with kids, it's easier to build them to repair them when they get older with money. And I think that um, even in my home, um, I take my daughter, who's three, I take her to the bank with me to show her how mommy saves. You know, I have a, um, a, a, a bucket or a financial freedom jar and I show her where all the loose change goes. So I make it a, a, I make it a part of our um, daily life so that she sees money being used um, for saving, money being used for spending when we go to the grocery store, and having conversations around that. Um, and I know that there's a lot of conversation, a lot of um, debate around allowances. Like, do you pay your child to do things around the home? Um, and where does it stop and where does it start? And I think that in thinking about what the purpose is, everyone has to earn their keep in a home, but sometimes when you go above and beyond uh, an expectation, maybe that can be rewarded. So my beliefs around allowances have a nuance to it and also bringing the explanation as to why something may be more valuable or going above and beyond also builds habits of your child thinking, oh, what does above and beyond look like and how can I bring that into just how I live my life, my daily habits at, at home, at school, um, and any, any type of possibly like a relationship that they want to build. Hmm. Right. That's great. 
Um, speaking about saving, like you mentioned, Caribbeans are very much known as savers. Is there ever, ever like a negative to saving that we should be thinking about? <laughs> um, is spending versus saving or investing always a better option? Well, I think that, yeah, Caribbean people definitely have, I think like, yes, baby. Um, Caribbean people definitely have, um, are known to be savers. And sometimes when you're a saver at the expense of taking more risk with your money, you lose out on opportunities to um, invest and get a higher return. Um, because if you're not getting in a savings account that, um, a savings account that, that allows you to outpace inflation, then you're actually, the more you hold on to your money and do nothing with it, the more it loses its purchasing power. So I think too, you know, there's, there's always the idea that Caribbean people, especially like this, this um, stereotype of Jamaicans having 10 jobs, you know, and hustling. Um, sometimes it's the idea of accumulating instead of actually maybe stopping and building something that's your own. So the side hustle mentality could create more savings, but may not leave maybe something substantial that your children can benefit from. And also takes away a lot of the time um, spent working that could be spent um, more readily with your family. So I think um, in terms of savings, um, yeah, Caribbean people are good savers, but um, the next step for that is to think about if I have my emergency fund and I have all of my basic needs met, what am I saving for? You know, what am I saving for? And I think sometimes saving for saving's sake is a Caribbean, uh, it's like who has the most money before they die wins, you know? Instead, <laughs> it's true, you know what I mean? And I have that mentality. My husband's like, why are you saving? I said, no, but you got to save. But what's the point? Like, are you saving to buy something? Are you right. saving for the emergency fund? Are you saving to give some away? Are you saving to, for, um, to invest? So I think, you know, are you saving for pleasure? So once you begin to understand what savings can be used for, then the idea of saving makes more sense. But saving for savings sake, just so you can have a larger account and gives you more security, can create more of a distorted relationship with money because you become a money hoarder instead of a money saver. You know, and I've had my own experience just money hoarding just for the sake of thinking, oh, my God, I have 10,000. But what if, you know, 10,500 10, sounds better than if 10,500 sounds better than 20,000 sounds better then you never stop. So you never know when's enough enough is enough. And that so is, that is so true. And, you know, what? I yes. think I think it's because we have that fear. Right. Of, and I, 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 I have to say this, like this past weekend, we had no hot water and they came by, the plumbers came by and it was like, we're going to need 8,800 to install a whole new thing. And I was like, oh my God, right. I have the money, right. but I was just so scared of letting it go. Right. Yeah. Cause that's a big number. Yeah. That's a big chunk of yeah. money. Yeah. Right. But the thing is too, it, it's this idea, like what I said at the top of it, it's this idea of, listen, we're not in desperate financial times. The way we used to be if you're if you've moved here and you've created the habit of saving you know what i mean yeah. so if you uh have been able to save the money for emergencies and emergency comes up then that's what you use for now i'm not saying i'm perfect because i'll do the same thing we just bought a dryer or my husband bought it and i was like oh my god that's a lot of money right <laughs> but you can walk yourself through the thinking and say why am i feeling afraid about this what belief or value is this purchase you know fighting against and then you can create a more rational uh, belief like, oh, my God, this money's never going to come back is probably what you're thinking. And then you may say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a diligent saver. I save consistently. Um, the money will come back. Well, there's more where that came from. Something that can give you more of a perspective on what you're doing or, you know, <laughs> you know my, perspective, my, perspective, 
it was is that I had two kids and they were both taking cold water baths and I did it the old school Caribbean way. I heated up a kettle <laughs> and I was like, we can go three days with this. It's a warm, it's a warm few days. And then we had that day where it was 90 degrees. And I was like, yeah, we could do this. Right. And then the next day was 50. And I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do this. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. plumbing is a real, it's a real hard cost. It's just yeah. how to do it. Right. And then the, the idea is like if your boiler, if, if the boiler, you know, the purchase of the boiler means that you have so many more years of yeah. exactly explosions. Yeah. You think about it as like this invest, this money is being invested. And over yeah. the next 20, 30 years, you know, the cost of it will be absorbed because yeah. of various uses. So seeing it not just as the spending, but what you're getting out of it is an important, mm -hmm. is an important part of the spending equation, especially for those of us that tend to be afraid to spend um, yeah. because we love to save. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. Understand that. Yeah, go ahead. No, I had a question, but you can go ahead, Kara. No, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, I just know that as part of my upbringing. It's just, like, you can never have enough. And yeah. I think that's a, false, I, that's a false truth that you can't have enough and you have to figure out what enough is for you. You know, like you can make do or this isn't like you're not suffering. It's not a, um, an all a zero sum game where yeah. this this money is not going to keep you out of house and home. You know, and I mm -hmm. think sometimes we catastrophize spending in the, the Caribbean community just because of, you know, maybe the, the history of colonization and not being fairly treated and, you know, a lot of things about what it comes to having an immigrant mentality of like, listen, I'm not trying to go back or things are not stable. And that's not even true for some of our governments, do you know what I mean? But it's just all, this whole idea of you never know. And the never know is always this kind of dark, scary place when in fact, history or experience may show that that's never really been the, the case. So just kind of thinking about what our thoughts are about uncertainty or about the future can help us have a healthier expectation of what could possibly happen or what could probably happen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You preaching, Kara. You yes. preaching. Yes. <laughs> I have a quick question before we close, Kara. Uh, and um, this has been really, really insightful. Um, in terms of like kids and when they get checkbooks, you know, I my son has big birthday parties, so he gets a lot of money and stuff for his birthday. Right. And I try to put it in a savings account, right. but he's had this savings account for a long time. And I don't think he understands the whole concept of like having a bank book yet at what point, and he's nine. So at what point is it a good time for him to sit down with me, talk to me about that and, um, or me talk to him about it and kind of figure out how to teach him how to balance a bank book. Well, I think that's a great question. I think that it's not a one sit down conversation and you're done because money is a relationship, you know, something that you do, you do with on a daily day basis, mm. starting the conversation about money. Cause he sees you, he sees you make checks. He mm -hmm. sees you maybe spend and you can start bridging the conversation about like, you know, when you want um, X, Y, and Z, you know, it costs mommy X amount of money. And not this, like without the guilt or shame, it's just like, listen, this is how much it costs. And mm -hmm. so in the same way that, in, 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 in exchange for um, one item, money has to be given. It's the same way that when we create a check, the same thing occurs. And so you can make it a simple math problem of like you get a, you have a, so much money in your account and then just show him, let's go out and make a purchase. And then when that purchase happens, take him back to the whole process. Cause sometimes we stop the whole, I call it like ecosystem of money. Like you get it, right? 
And so show them what happens in the back end, like behind the scenes. So you pay for something, you get a receipt, you know, you want to keep your receipts accountable and you want to make sure that you know that there's enough money to pay for it if you write a check or use a debit card. So mm -hmm. actually show him what actually happens when that money is removed. So you mm -hmm. can see that if more money is added, there won't be a, the percentage of the, the spending will be a small portion of what's in his account but or the reverse if you spend too much and there isn't a lot of money there you won't have anything to spend and it'll be a, actually a deficit if you go over your um the balance in your account so the, the long and short of it is teaching and having constant conversations around money that are casual so it doesn't seem like a big topic in their lives mm -hmm. you know? and i think that is the part of um the financial literacy piece that I think we need to move towards, like to make it less taboo. We talk about it more and it doesn't have, it could be a sit down. It could be over dinner. It could be while you're walking. It could be while you're in the moment doing the transaction. So they can see the real life um, application of what you've been maybe talking about at home and then asking him to like, you know, what questions do you have? What, what, what don't you understand? Or what's some of the things that you've noticed that you may have questions about with maybe your friends or um, when we go out, um, what are some things that maybe you could do to help us save more or to help us um, manage our money more if you give them a certain amount of money? So I think just giving, bring them into the fold at the discussion level and at the application level where they actually do things for you, I think can make it seem like a seamless part of their lives as opposed to like an, an aside. Okay, that's great. I still remember that time the teacher emailed me and told me that my son was handing out money in class. He was walking around handing kids dollar bills. <laughs> I was like, can you please send that money back home? I don't know where you got it from. And I had to talk to him. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you, open? He's not puffy raining on people. I mean, exactly. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, but about your son real quick. Ask him why he did that. Do you know what I mean? Was he trying to make friends? But he did not understand, like, this money means if you give out $20 to your friends, that's $20 that you can't have for what you, you know he, was, he was five when it happened, and mm -hmm. he really had a hard time articulating himself back then. Oh, but okay. I think if he remembers now, I might go back to him and ask him why he was handing out money. Because yeah. I'm sure he remembers that he did it. Yeah. I'm just going to ask him like why he did it because I always wondered and he could never explain it to me. I did ask him. He could yeah. never explain it to me. I just kept thinking about Diddy and all those people that like yes. throw money around and I'm like, what do you think you are? Like, yes. you, you <laughs> you money, money just flew around like, bang! Yeah, I'm like, what, what are you doing? But yeah, adorable. you're absolutely right. That's a good question for me to ask him now because now he can actually explain what he did. Right. You know, so well, even yeah. now too, I know we have to go, but just like even asking to think, when you think about money, what are some of the images or people that you think about when you think about money or what are some of the messages? You know, That's good. Yeah, purposes yeah. And, uses. and then you can begin to see where his money mindset is beginning to form and maybe his most um, influential people that are doing it, maybe it's you, maybe it's TV, maybe it's his friends and you can start to steer him to a way that makes the most, um, the healthiest decisions for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, it certainly isn't me because I don't give money out like that. But yes, yes, you're absolutely right, Tara. Well, listen, thank you so much. This has been great. Um, we oh, where can we find you? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, you can find me at The Frugal Feminista, um, my website. And you can also find me on Twitter. The handle is Frugal Feminista. And on Instagram, Frugal Feminista. And on Facebook, The Frugal Feminista. I'm gonna look tell, tell us also about your book. You have a book coming out and 
or you have a book that just came out. Right. You also have webinars that you do. Would love to hear. Oh, more definitely. About yeah. So I have a webinar coming up October 17th about how I got out of 40K worth of student loan debt in two years. And wow. so it's free. You should definitely come on so you can get some, um, some nuggets. Um, but my most recent book, and it's a great topic because this is something that's really close to my heart, is called Heal Your Relationship with Money. Mm. Because I think a lot of us, we want the tips and the tricks, but really do we ever um shift our thinking around it like a like a yo-yo diet you know until our relationship with money is healed so you can maybe be on a budget for a little while then you crash and you start spending crazy or you hoard money and you never know why you're so unhappy but when you look back at your relationship with money you can begin to piece together why some of your behaviors are the way they are when they are with money and oftentimes they are in other parts and areas of your life so you may be funny with money you know, but you may be funny with your relationships, you may be funny with your health, you know? So sometimes it's a big unpacking to see that these are just larger ways and strat ways that you deal with um, things that make you feel uncomfortable or things that you want to avoid. Mm. Wow. I, I mean, I, I wish, I wanted to have you back because I want to have a discussion about moms prioritizing themselves with money and not the family first. I, I feel like that's a discussion we should have later on too. I would love to come back. Yeah, we definitely. Yes. I mean, I enjoy um, talking about ways that we can make sure that we're doing self care in a way that makes sense for us in the long term, short term, and even like with our midterm goals. As yeah. Individuals. Yeah. Yeah, because we do take on a lot, especially as Black women, Caribbean women. We take on a lot, and it's important for us to actually step back and kind of like think about what we're doing and why we're doing it and give ourselves a moment. So um, yes, wonderful. Kara, thank you so much. Ladies, has this been like the quickest, uh, the best interviewer that we've had, the interviewee? Yes. Yeah, I think awesome. so. Yes. Thank you so much. You guys have a great evening. Thank you, Kara. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Later, right. ladies. Awesome. Later. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Tea and Talk. If you like what you heard, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. Until next time.